This is a LifeGate Church podcast. Tune in to hear from our team as we encourage you to discover the freedom and purpose that Jesus offers. If you want to find out more about who we are, visit lifegate.org.au. Hey, if you haven't met me, my name's Nathan. I'm the lead pastor of LifeGate Church. And I want to say thank you for joining us today. We're going to pray and then we're going to dive into our next section in the book of Ephesians. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you that we can gather together in our homes, that we can watch this online. Father, we want to thank you for Alex and Laura and for what you're doing in their life. And Father, for every person who's watching this, Father, I pray that you would minister to each one. That Lord, that you would speak to every person, that you would touch every heart, bring your comfort, bring your hope, and may every person trust you more. Father, as I bring this message, Father, give me what I need to speak your word truthfully. Help me, um, remind me of what, I, what, of what I prepared. And may I speak this, this in a way that honours you and helps your people fulfilling the calling, fulfil the calling they have for their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, friends, I've been leading LifeGate Church for the past 12 years. And let me tell you, it's been a, it's been a real privilege. It all started back in 2007. I was teaching music in a high school at the time. I was working at the church a day a week and I was out the backyard praying. And as I was praying, I heard the Lord say in an inner voice, Nathan, you'll be leading the church next year. Now that I was like, what was that? I had no desire to be the the senior leader. I was happy to serve the leader that we had at the time. And that just didn't make sense to me. But later that night, I get a phone call from one of the leaders saying that the pastor has just resigned. You know, those nine words, Nathan, you'll be leading the church next year, radically changed the direction of my life. Today, we're going to look at the book of Ephesians, chapter 3. And in Ephesians 3, the Apostle Paul refers to his calling and how Jesus met him on the road to Damascus. And he had a radical transformation experience where Jesus turned up to him in a vision three years after Jesus' death and resurrection and speaks to Paul about the direction of his life. And in that passage, we're told that God has called Paul to preach the message of Jesus to the Jews and the Gentiles. And in that moment, it radically impacted the direction of Paul's life. I wonder if you've ever had an experience like that an experience where God has spoken to you so profoundly that it's radically changed the direction of your life. Have you had an experience like that? Now, if you're sitting at home listening to this and feeling a little bit uneasy and thinking to yourself, actually, no, Nathan, I haven't had something like that. Well, let me tell you, that's perfectly normal. For God generally doesn't give these Damascus Road experiences to people. God generally doesn't shoot from a rooftop what he wants for your life. And so if you haven't had an experience like I had or an experience like Paul had, I don't want you to feel second rate or unsure or not important for actually your experience, I believe, is normal. Over the past 12 years, I've had a number of people come to me and say to me, Nathan, I don't know what my calling is. I don't know the thing that God wants me to do with my life. And when I hear that, I I think they're looking for the experience like Paul had or an experience like Moses had at the burning bush. But I think the truth is 
For most of us, God doesn't give us those experiences. Why? Because God has already told us our calling through the Bible. God shows us what he wants for our life and he's already done it through his word, the Bible. Now, this doesn't mean God won't won't give you a Damascus Road experience or he won't speak to you very clearly about the direction of your life. He can and he does do that, particularly for those who go into ministry. But what I'm saying is that we shouldn't be disappointed or feel like we're second rate or feel like we're not important if we haven't had those big experiences. Because the reality is God has already spoken to each one of us about our calling in the Word, the Bible. Now, in the Bible, we see this calling pretty pretty clearly. You know, Jesus gives us uh, a, a beautiful summary of it in Matthew chapter 22 when the religious leaders ask him what's the most important. And Jesus says this, he says, the most important and the summary of all the law is this, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbour as yourself. Here, God gives us, a Jesus gives us a real summary of the calling that God has for our life. That is to love God, to honour him, to live a life that serves him, to make him number one. It tells us to love other people, to be people who are forgiving. And the Bible tells us so much about how to treat people, to encourage, to speak life, to forgive, to lift up, not to pull down. And it also says how we're to treat ourselves. And that is to um, love ourselves and treat ourselves in a way that's honouring of God. Friends, this is our calling. But then, but then God gets really specific with us. And the way he gets specific with us, he shows us how he wants us to love God, love people and love ourselves by putting things in our hands. The question I have for you this morning is, what's in your hands? See, the Bible is very clear about our calling, that he wants us to love God, that he wants us to love people, that he wants us to love ourselves. And then God specifically puts people, situations, giftings, passion, even promptings of the Holy Spirit in our hands. And God wants us to love them, love those people, take a step out to serve God. Let me show you what I mean. What's in our hands? Firstly, God puts people God puts people in our hands. Friends, if you're a Christian this morning, the Bible speaks to you about how to treat the people in your world. If you're married and you're a husband, the Bible says to love your wife like Christ loved the church. That is who God has put in your hands. And if you're a wife, you're called to love and honour and serve your husband. That is what God has put in your hands. If you're parents and you have children, God has put children in your hands. And the Bible says to parents, Train a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. So there's part of our calling as parents for our children. God's put them in our hands and we're to train them. And if you're a young person this morning, if you're under the age of 18, you're called to obey your parents. And as you become an adult, you're called to honour your parents. See, God has put people in your world that he wants you to love in the way he wants you to love them. If you're in the workplace... If you're an employer, you're called to treat your employees well. And if you're an employee, you're to honour your bosses 
and do what they ask as if you're serving the Lord. And in a workplace, you have all these other work colleagues that you have. And the Bible wants us to shine the light of Jesus in that workplace. God has put friends in our hands and he wants us to encourage our friends, speak life into our friends. And if we have friends that don't know Jesus, to share the message of Jesus with them. God has put people in our hands. God's also given us gifts and he's given us passions. In Romans chapter 12, it talks about some of the gifts that God gives the people. If your gift is leadership, the Bible says lead. If your gift is mercy, the Bible says to show mercy. If your gift is serving, we'll then serve. If your gift is giving, we'll then give generously. God has put gifts in us and we're to look at the gifts that God has given us and use them to love God and to love people. God puts passions in us. Some of us are passionate around prayer. That is what God has put in us, so we should be deliberate about praying. God has given other people passion about caring and loving people deeply. And someone in our church that does that is Roz. And if Roz, if you're listening, thank you for what you do. You have, God has put in you a passion of care for people. And if that's what God's put in you, a passion for you, do that. What's also God put in our hands? He's put opportunities in our hands. You know, as we go about life, opportunities rise up to help people, to serve people to make a difference in people's lives. And when those opportunities come up, you know, God wants us to step into them. And finally, God gives us promptings by his Holy Spirit. And this is different from what I said before, this Damascus Road experience where Jesus turns up to you, the big thing that sets the direction of your life. I'm not talking about those things. I'm talking about times when you pray and God drops a person in your mind and for you to pray for that person. God drops a situation in your mind and he wants you to step into that situation and show the love of God in that situation. Now, as we are with God, as we open his word and God sticks out Bible verses and he reminds us of people, he wants us to treat certain people in certain ways and God can do that through the promptings of his Holy Spirit. See, God gives each one of us a calling and it's clear in in God's word to love God, to love people, to love ourselves. And then that's the big picture. And then God puts in our hands people, gifts, passions, opportunities, and promptings of the spirit that he's put there for us to walk in, for us to reach out, for for us to step into. God's calling is there. And friends, I want us to be deliberate in fulfilling the calling God has for our lives. You know, some people haven't had that Damascus road like Paul had experience and they're, and they're out there searching for their calling and as a result they're sitting on their hands and they're not doing anything because they don't know what the big thing is. But as I've already said, God's given you the big thing. Love God, love people, love yourself and he's put in your hands the people, the situations, the giftings, the passion, the opportunity and the promptings in the spirit and God wants you to step into that and be deliberate being deliberate in doing the things God has called you to. I want us now to turn to Ephesians chapter 3. This is our text this morning. And as we look at this text, we see two things. The first thing is that Paul talks about there is a theme in this text around the mystery. And the mystery is simply that God has revealed that now through Christ, he is now saving both the Jews and the Gentiles through Christ. 
That's the mystery that God has revealed. And the passage talks about that. And the other thing this passage talks about is Paul's calling. And what you will see, and this is the big take home this morning, is that God wants us to be deliberate about the calling that God has given us. And in this passage, we see that Paul is really deliberate about his calling. So let's read the text and then we'll look at each one of these things. Ephesians 3 verses 1. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles. Verse 2. Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I already written briefly. I'm writing this then. I'm writing, in, sorry, in reading this then, you'll be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations as it's now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. Paul writes, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. And finally in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you therefore not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. The first theme that we see is this idea of mystery. I wonder if you've ever been on a treasure hunt. Have you ever been on a treasure hunt? As a youth leader many, many years ago, about once a year we used to do a treasure hunt with the, with the youth and we'd uh, give them an envelope and we'd firstly break them into teams and we'd have a leader with each team and we'd give them an envelope. And in that side of that envelope was a clue where they'd have to go to a destination and it was usually we'd start at the church and then we'd go out the then we'd go out on the streets and they would go to different letterboxes and open letterboxes and then get the next clue and it would tell them something they had to do and they'd go to the next place, find the next envelope, open that up and eventually they would get back to the church where they'd find another clue and there was usually a treasure um, in, in a hole in the ground somewhere that I dug previously, put a whole bunch of chocolates in there and, they would find the, and, they, and they'd find the treasure. Well, this mystery is, is a little bit like that, that, that Paul writes about here. Throughout the Old Testament, God gave the, the uh, Jewish people clues that he was going to save the Gentiles. There was clues throughout the Old Testament, but they never worked it out. They never actually found the treasure. God was the one who revealed this treasure to, as the script, as his passage says, to God's apostles and the prophets in the New Testament. And God has revealed this also to Paul. It is a mystery that's being revealed. And the, and the mystery is that now that both the Jews and the Gentiles can be saved through Jesus. That's what it talks about in the previous passage in, Gen in 
um, Ephesians chapter 2 that Andrew spoke about last week, that the Jews and the Gentiles, once there was a big gap, they were separated, but now through Christ, they're now one body saved by Jesus. So let's now look at this, this text. And it starts as it starts with, for this reason, I, Paul. And whenever we see a for this reason or a therefore or something like that, we need to go back to what was written before it. And what's before it is what I just said in Ephesians 2, that Paul has just explained that it's now Jews and the Gentiles and our trained saved through Jesus. And the reason that for this reason is there, Paul, the reason that's there is because Paul is saying, because the Jews and the Gentiles are now saved through Jesus, it's my responsibility to go and to tell them about that, particularly the Gentiles, that, I've, that, that my task is to preach this message to the Gentiles. In verse 2, it then describes this mystery. It says, Surely you heard about the, the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. Verse 3, that is the mystery made known to me by revelation. God revealed it to Paul. This, this new truth, as well as the other apostles, like Peter, who's, who was told to go to Cornelius' house and saw, before that, saw the, uh, the sheet come down and God was saying to him, Jesus has come for the Gentiles too. There was this, there was this revelation that, that God had made known as that he's already written about in the previous chapter. He says, in reading this then, you'll be able to understand my insight into this mystery of Christ which was not made to people, the Jews, before Jesus in the Old Testament, as it's now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. Paul, as an apostle, Jesus has revealed it to him. This mystery, which I've already said, is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promises of Jesus Christ. Now, the Jews and Gentiles are both saved through Jesus. That's the point. The second thing we see in this text is Paul's calling. And as we look at it, we see how deliberate Paul was about his calling. Now, Paul's calling started in the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, we have this guy, before he was called Paul, his name was Saul. And we have this Saul who was super passionate about Judaism and super critical of of the Christians And he was afraid that these Christians could have an effect on Judaism. And he didn't want that. So he was out there to get the Christians. In Acts chapter 7, we see Stephen being stoned. And in Acts chapter 8 verse 1, we're told that the people that stoned Stephen put their cloaks at Paul's feet, at Saul's feet, as if if Saul was the one who was giving approval for Stephen's death. And then in Acts chapter 9, Saul, later to be called Paul, got letters from the Jewish leaders to go to a place called Damascus. And, he, and if he found any Christians there, he would lock them up. And on his way to Damascus, Jesus turns up to him. And this is what we read in Acts chapter 9. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. This is Paul, Saul. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? In verse 5, who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. Saul goes into the city and he finds out from Ananias that that God has called him to go to the Jews and the Gentiles and to proclaim that Jesus is the saviour for both the Jews and the Gentiles. Paul immediately, after he started preaching and he created a big problem, 
for the, for the early church. So the, so the Christian leader sent him off uh, to Tarsus where he learned and he grew. And then in Acts chapter 13, we're told that Paul is in the church in Antioch with Barnabas. And the Christian leaders in the church in Antioch lay hands on Paul and commission him to be an apostle. And Paul goes on a number of missionary journeys, preaching the message of the gospel, setting up churches. And in Acts chapter 19, Paul goes to the church in Ephesus, where he spent two and a half years there, where he preached the gospel, where a church was set up, where he taught them, and, and he eventually left. And he, and, and he continued to write letters back to the churches. That's what Paul did. Let's now look at this text to see how Paul describes himself. In verse 1, Paul describes him as a prisoner. Because Paul went around preaching the gospel, the Jews didn't like it and they had him arrested a number of times. And as he went and preached the gospel, it meant that lives were changed and people lived differently, which, which created an uproar in cities and people didn't like it. And as a result, he was beaten and and, and um, stoned in one place. He was shipwrecked and, and he was treated really poorly because of the message he was preaching. And here it says that he is writing this letter to the Ephesians from a prison. Now, what prison? We're unsure. It could have been a, um, a prison in Rome or in Caesarea. We're unsure. But he's writing his letter from prison. We're told that this message was revealed to him that God spoke to him, that he was to preach this message that the Jews and the Gentiles saved through Christ. God revealed that to Paul to preach. In verse 7, he describes himself as a servant of this gospel, that Paul has given his whole life to preach the message of the gospel. In verse 8, he says, I am less than the least of all the Lord's people. And I reckon he, called, he describes himself like that because of his life before Christ, that he had Christians killed. He had Christians locked up in prison before he came to Christ. And, and, and I love that thought because it says it doesn't matter about your past. You could have the most worst past and yet God can still use you. Just like he used Paul, God can use you. And if you're at home watching this and your past is pretty messed up, that doesn't mean God can't use you. He uses people like Paul and the reality is we're all messed up, we're all broken. I'm broken and God uses me. Then in verse 8, he talks about this grace that was given him. And this is around the calling that God has given him to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery which was kept hidden. Then in, and then in the last verse, in verse 13, Paul talks about his sufferings here. He says, don't be discouraged because of my sufferings. He says, which are actually your glory. Because Paul is suffering, because he's preached Christ, it's meant that lots of people have got saved, which is their glory. He says, don't be discouraged by this, that I'm suffering because I've had the opportunity to preach the message of Jesus to people. Now, as we, are, as we look at what Paul has done here, what I want you to grab is the, is the deliberateness in Paul fulfilling his calling. He is in prison. He describes himself as a servant and he's suffering because he is so committed to the thing that God wants him to do. So as we summarize this text this morning from Ephesians chapter 3, we see this. All people can be saved through Jesus. That is the mystery that's been revealed. And the second thing, I want you to see the deliberateness of Paul's calling. And what we can learn is that we are, we are to be deliberate about the calling that we have for our 
lives. So here's the question for you this morning. How deliberate are you in fulfilling your calling? Remember, God has spoken to us through the Bible about our calling, that he wants us to love God, love people, love ourselves. And then God puts in our hands the people, the giftings, the passion, the opportunities and the promptings of the Spirit, which are the specific things God wants us um, God wants us to be involved with the people that he wants us to love, the, the uh, passions that he wants us to fulfill. They're the things that God has put in our hands. And the question is, how deliberate are you in fulfilling your calling? How deliberate are you if you're a husband in loving your wife like Christ loved the church? Wives, how deliberate are you in, in serving and loving your husband? How deliberate are you in raising your children? How deliberate are you in, in using the gifts that God has given you to, to benefit God's church? How deliberate are you in fulfilling the passions that God is putting in you? If he's putting you a passion to pray, how deliberate are you in praying? If he's puts a passion in you to love and show mercy to people, how deliberate are you in showing mercy and loving people? How deliberate are you in fulfilling the calling? When God prompts you by his spirit, he puts a person in your mind. How deliberate are you about praying for that person or pursuing that person? When he gives you a prompting about something that he wants you to do, how deliberate are you in doing that? When an opportunity comes to love somebody, when an opportunity comes to serve somebody, how deliberate are you in fulfilling that, in being deliberate about fulfilling the calling that God has put in your hands? Imagine if each one of us was really deliberate. Imagine if each one of us was really specific in fulfilling that calling. Imagine the impact that would have on the world. In this season of the virus, of this coronavirus that's going around, you know, we can see all the problems, or we can actually see it as an opportunity to be God's church in this world, to be used by God to be his hands and feet. For the reality is God has put many things, opportunities in our hands. God has put people in our hands. God has put many things in our hands. And my question is for you, what's in your hands? You know, for most of us, God has put a phone in our hands and we can get on our phone and make a call and say, how are you going? Are you going okay? Others of us, God has given us a set of car keys. And that could mean going shopping for someone who's over the age of 70 who's been told to stay home and buying groceries for them. They're the things that we have in our hands. You might want to grab your hands and put them together and pray that God would stop the virus. You might want to pray for the government and ScoMo, our Prime Minister, who's got the most difficult job at the moment. Let's pray for our leaders that they would lead this nation well. Pray for those who are unwell. Pray that God would protect us. These are the things in our hands. Maybe you have finance and people are struggling and you can use your finance to be a blessing to people, to help people in their Christian journey, to help people buy groceries, to pay rent, do what's needed. Maybe you can bless them that way. If you have access to social media, Facebook, Instagram, you know, you can share the love of God. You can show that you're unafraid because of his goodness. You can show that you are trusting him and you can post stuff which talks about God's goodness and God's love for people. This is a time, friends, a time where it's, where it's difficult that people are more likely to reach out to God. People are more likely to cry out to Him. People are more likely to ask questions. And God is calling us, His church, to rise up in a season like this. 
God has put people, opportunities in our hands. He's given us things that we can do to be the church across this nation. Let's be deliberate in fulfilling the calling that God has for our lives. I want to finish with one final story. There's a story of an old man who goes down to his local beach and on this day he looks across the beach and there are thousands and thousands of starfish all across the sand, all out of the water and they're going to die. The old man walks across the beach stepping between the starfish until he comes across a young boy who's picking up one starfish and throwing it into the water, picking up another one, throwing it into the water, picking up another and throwing it until the old man comes to him. And the old man says to the young boy, young boy, what are you doing? And the young boy says, I'm throwing the starfish back into the water. He goes, but but what difference can you make? There are so many starfish. And the young boy says, but I'm making a difference to this one and throws it into the water. Friends, the reality is there is so much need. There are so many things that we can do, that there are so many opportunities. And on our own, we can't do them all. But the reality is we can make a difference to the one, to the one person, to the one need. We can step into one thing and make a difference. And if I do that, and if you do that, and the people, other people watching this do that, friends, collectively, as a community, as a church, we can make a big difference as each person does our bit. So as we finish this morning, I want to encourage you to be deliberate in the calling that God has given you. I've talked about what that is this morning, but I want you to be deliberate. If everyone does their bit, we can make a big difference in this world. If I could could leave you with one question, the question would be this. What is one thing you can do? What is one thing you can be deliberate in doing this week that's part of your calling that will make a difference in this world? What is one thing that you can do fulfilling your calling deliberately that will make a difference? You know, at the end of this message, we're about to finish and in, and in the chat on the side, it's going to have the ID for Zoom for the Preston's campus and the Padstow campus. My encouragement as we have morning tea to log into Zoom and as we talk as a big group, share what is that one thing you can do this week to be deliberate in your calling? What's one thing you can do to make a difference in someone's life? Thank you for being part of it. I'm going to pray and then we're going to finish. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we see in your word that both the Jews and Gentiles are saved through Jesus. We thank you we see, we see Paul's calling and that he's so deliberate in fulfilling it. And Father, I pray that each one of us will be aware of our calling. Your word says it clearly and then you put in our hands really specifically the people, the opportunities, the gifts and passions and the promptings of the Spirit. You give us those specific things and Lord, may we be specific. May we be deliberate in doing the things that you want us to do. Deliberate in fulfilling our calling. Father, bless each one. Use this message for your purpose and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for being part of it.
Thanks for joining us on the LifeGate Church Podcast. Our church is a place to discover the freedom and purpose that Jesus offers. 